0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It may sound strange to say. It may even hurt our heads if we try to think about it too much. But it's true what Scripture proclaims, what we confess, what we even sing sometimes. God has a mother. Mary is known as the God-bearer, the mother of God. The Greek church fathers called her the Theotokos, the one who bears God. We say these things about Mary not to draw our eyes and attention to her, but rather to her son, our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's maybe different or strange or odd to think about God being born. We can... At least think about it from the scriptures that he's eternal and the one who is, who was, and ever shall be. He's infinite, he's all-powerful, and so on. But yet, for us men and for our salvation, God has a mother. God is born. God takes on our own human flesh. Jesus' incarnation didn't begin at his birth, you see. His taking on human flesh was a full nine months earlier. When the second person of the Trinity, whom time and space cannot contain, united himself in a single human zygote cell and dwelled in Mary. The Son of God became the Son of Mary, the eternal begotten Son of God, who, like the Father, is without beginning or end. At that moment of the Annunciation, when the angel came and told Mary the good news, Jesus took on human flesh, The very word of God who declared, let us make man in our own image, in his own incarnation, finally reveals his image to renew man. He becomes man to make us restored and forgiven. Mary becomes a mother. God becomes a man for you. And when we confess this, we confess something important about human life as well, especially infant life, in the womb. Human life, from conception to death, is precious, sacred, beloved in God's eyes, so much so that our Lord saw fit to take on human flesh himself to save us. And so if we confess that God is fully man for us, even in Mary's womb, then unborn babies are truly human as well. And if the one who inhabits Mary's womb for nine months is also truly God, that means that children in the womb are more than just random masses of cells that we could toss aside, but rather gifts from God. Gifts of life that should be protected and defended and cared for. This also tells us something important about Jesus' own life, too. That God became the zygote, an blastocyst and an embryo, and a fetus, a baby, a toddler, a boy, a teenager, an adolescent, a young man, a full-grown man, all for you. So to redeem you at every stage of life, as St. Paul declares, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, our flesh stained and corrupted by the sinful flesh, won't save us. It's not up to the task of what our Lord requires. We can't keep the law, much less fulfill it. It's not just that our flesh is weak, but that we are complete and utter failures. We are completely and totally lost. We have not loved the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. If there's any hope for us, it's not going to be found in our own flesh and blood but in Jesus. Behold the man who is the promised seed of the woman, come to crush the serpent's head. Behold the man who redeems us, fallen men. Behold the man who cared enough that in his dying breath, he also cared for his mother, and used his dying breath to save not only her, but you, and all of us, and the world. So St. John, in chapter 19, gives us a little bit of a glimpse of the crucifixion through the eyes of Mary, Jesus' mother. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, "'Woman, behold your son.' Then he said to the disciple, "'Behold your mother.' And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. Mary, who had heard the angel Gabriel say, "'Do not be afraid,' The Holy Spirit will conceive in your womb a son, and you will name him Jesus, and his kingdom will have no end. And now she sees her son and king enthroned on the cross and crowned with thorns for her and for you. Mary, who had seen the shepherds run to find Jesus lying in the manger just as the angel said he would be, now sees the good shepherd, her little lamb laying down his life for us wayward sheep. Mary, who had witnessed Jesus' first miracle of turning the water into wine, now sees the final hour appointed, when the blood and water would flow from his side to fulfill the law and to manifest his glory on the cross for us. She was witnessing every parent's worst nightmare, and then perhaps in that moment she remembered Simeon's words, when Jesus was only 40 days old at the presentation of the temple, that a sword will pierce your own soul also. The child she saw in Bethlehem's manger, now on Jerusalem's cross. The sky, once filled with angels singing glory to God in the highest, now is covered in darkness. There's nothing but silence from heaven. All the things that she pondered in her heart, all that Jesus said, all that he had done, Every promise of God led to that cross that day on that hill for you. As Mary bore the Savior of the world in her own flesh, so now Jesus bears the sin of the world in his flesh on the cross. As Mary looked after the well-being of infant Jesus and growing up Jesus, now the crucified Lord looks after his mother from the cross as well, as Mary once cradled and held Jesus in her own arms and gave him life and sustained him. Now on the cross, Jesus draws us to the Father's embrace as he stretches out his arms on the cross and gives us eternal life. Behold the man, son of Mary and son of God, crucified and risen for you.